day, and I was worshiping in spirit, suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna. Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Won't you have a seat? What incredible picture this paints of our risen Savior. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. And, and if you're like me, as, as we read these scriptures, there's so many questions that come to my mind. So many things I wonder, so many things that I think about. And this morning, I want to take some time really to address two particular questions that I, I hope we can answer this morning. The first question I want to look at today is, who is Jesus? Who is he? And what does this mean for you and I today? Who is he and what does this mean? The second question I want to look at today is, how does Jesus intend to show the world who he is? And so let's first look at at this first question. Who is Jesus and, and what does this mean for us today? Let's take a little bit closer of a look because John is writing this book and he's writing down a stunning picture, a, a, an incredible picture of the risen Savior that we see in verses 13 through 18. And so not only do I want to look at each description that John gives of Jesus today, but I want to really look and see how it impacts our lives. What does this mean for you and I. And so let's look at the first description John gives. He says in verse 13, standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Now I, we're going to circle back to what it, the lampstands are, are, are meaning here at the end, but here we see the first characteristic of Jesus that John highlights for us. He said he is the Son of Man. Even though John has this incredible vision of who Jesus is, there's something here that we can't forget that is is profound. Something that we, we should always keep in mind. Something Jeremy highlighted just a few minutes ago. Jesus is human. I think oftentimes we, we think of Jesus as, as part God 
part human, like a 50-50 relationship that, that truly couldn't be farther from the truth. Jesus is not 50-50. He is 100-100. He is 100% God, 100% man. There's no splitting it here. The Son of Man is, is the name Jesus often referred to himself throughout the Gospels, and it's in reference to an Old Testament scripture found in the, in the book of Daniel. Daniel was writing, and in chapter 7, he has a vision about the coming Son of Man. And, and this is what Daniel says, and I want you to see the direct correlations between these two scriptures. This is Daniel's vision. He says, as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race, nation, and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. You know, Daniel didn't know this at the time. But what he saw was the vision of the true Son of Man, Jesus, who's both all God and all human. And he rules and he reigns from his eternal throne. This is a critical meaning for you and I today. Because, because of this truth, you and I today can rest in the fact that Jesus is in control. He reigns, he rules from his throne forever. Nothing will ever take that away. It'll never end. Jesus is in control and we can rest in that fact. But then John goes on to say this, that he was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. John sees Jesus wearing a robe which is what a priest would wear. In fact, in some churches, priests still wear these robes. It's in the Old Testament, a priest would represent the people before God. He would act as an intercessor. He would intercede with God on our behalf, on the people's behalf. But it says in Hebrews chapter 7, he says, Jesus does the same thing on our behalf. He says, therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Truly, this is why we don't have confession here at the chapel. Because we no longer need a priest to intercede on our behalf. Jesus does that for us. Jesus is our high priest, which means Jesus knows your needs. He knows your struggles. He knows your hurts. He sees your flaws. He knows everything about us, and he is interceding. He is petitioning to the Father on our behalf so that we can become more and more like Jesus. We have direct access to God through Jesus. He is interceding for us. You know what this means for us today? Not only is Jesus in control, but this also means for us today that we can rest in the fact that Jesus is on our side. 
He's in control and he's on our side. And, and then John goes on even more in verse 14. He says his head, his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Now, I don't mean to step on any toes this morning, but typically when we think of someone with white hair, we think of someone who is, we'll say, mature in age, perhaps. But the truth is that white hair is a sign of of nobility. It is a sign of honor. It's a sign of, of wisdom. And this is True, true, this is also true with Jesus, that his white hair is a picture of his, of his wisdom. He is the one that has the words to guide us, to help us, to, to, to help us to navigate through life. When we encounter choppy waters, it is, it is his words that we look to. It is him we look to for, for leadership, for direction. For wisdom. It's because of this, not only is he in control and he's on our side, but we can rest in the fact that Jesus is the source of all wisdom. He desires that we would seek him for how to live our lives today. There's some incredible truths here. John goes on. He says his eyes were like flames of fire. You know, Pastor Jim Samra from Calvary Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, he, he describes this like Superman's heat ray or x-ray vision. He says, Jesus is able to see all things. Nothing is hidden from Jesus' sight. Sometimes I think we believe that, that we need to hide from Jesus when we've done things that are wrong, when we've made mistakes, when we've sinned, we we hide, and that's our, that's our natural kind of go-to. It, it happened all the way back in Genesis. Adam and Eve hid from God, and we've been doing it ever since. We act like two-year-olds that have, that have gotten in trouble. And so we, we hide, hoping that we won't get caught. But we can't hide from the presence of God. We can't hide because he sees it all. And, and this is a good thing. This isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing because when we hide in the darkness, it is Jesus who sees us and is willing to pull us out of that darkness if we allow him to do so. This means for us today something that's so important. It means we can rest in the fact that Jesus sees us, our warts and all. He sees us, and yet he still wants us. He still loves us. It's overwhelming to think about. But then John goes on in verse 15. He says, his feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. Jesus' feet being like bronze is a symbol of strength. There is nothing Nothing, not even the powers of hell that can move Jesus. He can never be knocked off his feet. He is the firm foundation that we place our faith and our trust in. And then his voice thunders like a mighty ocean waves. Have you ever just been to the ocean? Even, even smaller scale, Lake Erie. And it's a stormy day and the waves just crash 
onto the rocks in such a powerful way, so consistently, one after another. And we see the power of this, and we see this over and over again, the power of Jesus' voice, a voice that, that we see in the Gospels many times commanded the wind and the waves to obey him with just the sound of his voice. Such strength, such power in the voice of Jesus. This means for us today, this means that we can rest in the fact that when we are weak, when we want to give up, you know what, Jesus is strong. He's immovable. We can rest in this today. I don't know about you, but as I've been looking at this and, and studying this, I just, I'm beginning to understand a bit of a clearer picture of, of truly how amazing our Savior is. He's incredible. And, and, and as I do, my heart, it's, it's, it's hard not to become overwhelmed with this. The magnificence of Jesus but John, he, he goes on. He says in verse 16, he held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. The seven stars symbolize the seven churches described in verse 11 and his right hand symbolizes protection and, and a way Jesus protects and holds onto his people is through this two-edged sword. In fact, Hebrews 4 Chapter 12, or 4 verse 12 tells us what this means. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. In other words, God's word, it cuts both ways. On one hand, it, it hurts it hurts when, when he exposes our, our flaws and he convicts us of, of things in our lives that need to change. It's not comfortable. But on the other side of the sword, it cuts with healing, with grace, with love and care. As we become more like Jesus, that means for us today, in this room, we can rest in the fact that Jesus is upholding us, that he's protecting us through the soul-piercing words of his scripture. And then John goes on, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. Jesus is this blazing source of light that covers the whole world. And so, too, is, is this Jesus, his glory, his brilliance, it shines over the whole earth, he makes his presence known to everyone. He hides from no one. I wish we could spend all day talking about just this. But the truth of the matter, as we look at this and we know how he shines, all I can think of is that we can rest in the fact that Jesus isn't hiding from us. He's present. His glory, his light are blazing light for all of us to draw near to. He is making himself known and available to everyone. He hides from no one. You know, when we read these character descriptions of Jesus, I, 
I am overwhelmed. And, and what's incredible to me is to see how John reacts to this. I mean, imagine being John right now and seeing these things. And I, and I think he responds the same way we would respond. And it says in the very next verse, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. What, what's fascinating to me about this is that John was one of Jesus' closest. He was in a circle of, of three friends, uh, of, of friends with Jesus, and, and he, he spent three years with Jesus. He, he saw Jesus after he was resurrected. He, he spent time serving with Jesus. He spent time living with Jesus. He has seen Jesus through it all, but he's never seen Jesus like this before. Never. He's never seen Jesus in all his glory, in all his splendor, truly revealed. This is the first, and it's as if John's mind and his heart just couldn't take it, and it exploded, and he fell at Jesus's feet. You know, I I think the response that, that strikes me even more than John's, though, is Jesus' response. And it's Jesus' response to John that make me fall in love with him even more today. Because look at how Jesus responded to John. It says, he laid his right hand on me said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Jesus said to John three of the most powerful words he could speak. He said, don't be afraid. These three little words, they, they, they mean so much to us, and, and particularly two things I want to highlight, that, that even in his glory... Even in all his majesty, Jesus does something that Jesus always does. He stoops down to our level. He stoops down to where we are because that is who he is. Jesus is always doing this and he graciously and he lovingly reminds us once again that we don't have to be afraid we don't have to be worried about anything, that Jesus has the keys to break us out of prison, of death and the grave, but not just eternal death, but anything that holds us back from truly living. Jesus' right hand is, is on you, which means our past, our, our addictions, our, our shortcomings, our fears, our, our, our mistakes, our broken relationships, all of those things that are in our lives, that are in our past, those things no longer define you. Jesus does. Jesus defines us. He says, don't be afraid. But then he says the second reason, and that is why we're studying Revelation as a church. You know, Revelation, we said, isn't a puzzle to put together. It's not a, a code to decipher. We don't have to be 
afraid of, of the zombie apocalypse or anything like that. Instead, through these scriptures, what Jesus is saying to us is, look, I am revealing myself to you so that you will trust me, so that, that you can find rest in me. He says, don't be afraid. Such powerful three little words. You know, those of us who know Jesus, maybe we've been walking with him for, for a while, and, and, and we know that, that following Jesus changes the trajectory of our life. It changes who we are. It can't help but to. But I, I wonder, what about those that, that don't know Jesus yet? What about those who, who, who have not yet chosen to follow him? This, this leads me to our second question today. I wonder, how does Jesus intend to show the world who he is? And so to answer this question, I want to take us back to verse 12 and then forward to verse 20. And this is what it says. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And this is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw on my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And so while it is true that, that John is in the presence of Jesus here face to face, we do not have the pleasure of seeing him yet this way. We don't. So I wonder, how does Jesus reveal himself to the world? How does Jesus reveal himself to those people who have not yet seen him, who don't know who he is? Well, the answer to this is a little scary. Because he reveals himself through the church, through us, through you and me. That is how he reveals himself. You see, a lampstand is a source of, of light that symbolizes God's light, his presence. And, and John sees seven lampstands here, one for each church listed in Revelation chapter 1. But the number seven also means completion, which means that, that these lampstands don't only represent the seven churches listed in Revelation chapter 1, but they represent all churches that exist around the world. We, the, the, the lampstands represent the mission of the church, which is to be a shining light for Jesus in the midst of this dark world. Listen, we are Jesus' plan A for revealing himself to the world. That is on us to show people who he really is. Is the church perfect? No. We're broken people. Does the church make mistakes? Yes, we are broken people. But is the church important? Oh, without a doubt, the church is important because it is through us that the world will see Jesus. Through you and I, you know, next week, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2 and 3, which is Jesus' message to these seven churches, which of course is his message to us too. And in these chapters, we're going to see that Jesus encourages the church, but also challenges and, and rebukes the church. Why? 
Why, why would he do this? Well, I think it's, it's simple. You know, all of us know what it's like to try to see out of a windshield that's dirty. Especially here in the wintertime in Ohio and salty roads, we run out of windshield wiper fluid, and this is what we're looking through. It distorts everything. It keeps you from seeing a clear picture of what's in front of you. It prevents us from, from really being able to focus on the things around us. Or, or maybe, if you're like me, uh, you know, your glasses get all smudged up and, and nasty. This is, I, I, this is not a picture of my daughter's glasses, but it could be. Because we're constantly like, how can you see out those things? Doesn't it bother you? It, you, you get this, this, this blurred vision. And the same thing here happens when the church doesn't shine its light properly. The, the world ends up having a, a blurry, distorted view of who Jesus is. The darkness becomes even more dark, and instead of the light extinguishing the darkness like it is made to do, the world gets a blurry, distorted view of who Jesus is. And that's on us. You know, what I love about this passage is, yes, it's challenging, yes, it's overwhelming, but this passage of Scripture is so filled with hope. I so much hope. And I don't know what's going on in your life. And I don't know what you're facing, what struggles you're going through. I don't know those things necessarily, but I do tell you this, that after studying this passage in Revelation these past weeks, I can confidently say we have hope in the comfort of Jesus. We have hope in the rest we can find when we are weary in Jesus. We, we have the hope of wisdom that comes from Jesus' words. That is why his word is so important. That is why it is so critical that we be in this book constantly. Because we have hope that is found in the pages. We have hope in the security of Jesus as he places his hand on you and says, don't be afraid. We have hope in the freedom and the peace that we find in Jesus when we allow him to continue to unlock that prison that we want to keep going back to over and over again. We have hope in all these things, but this hope isn't just for you and I in this room today. This hope is for everybody this hope is for our friends, for our co-workers, our neighbors, our communities, for, for everyone around the world. That is who this hope is for. We, you and I, this church is Jesus' plan A. There is no plan B. We're it. It's up to us to shine his light to people who have not yet heard it. So I pray, Lord, may we stay close to Jesus as individual followers of Jesus, but also as his church, as the chapel. I'm passionate that we as a church, we stay close to Jesus so that we can be that bright lampstand that's shining the light into the dark parts of this world. This is critical. I, what a challenge to us both as individuals and as a church. What a challenge. And I wonder, do you feel the, 
Do you feel the gravity of this mission? Oh, I sure do. I, you can tell. I, I feel the weight of this. It, I wonder if you're comforted by what you've learned of Jesus today. I, I, I wonder if, if maybe you're even a little overwhelmed at the magnificence of Jesus today. And I wonder how this knowledge will, will change you. Because it should. I, I'm, I'm just get rid of my message for a minute. Here's the deal. <laughs> this week, these past weeks, boy, what a challenge. As I studied this, I just became so overwhelmed with who Jesus is. I have put him into this box at times that is so small. I've, I don't know why. I, I've made Jesus this, this, this small thing. He's, you know, yeah, he's God. He's good. I, I know. But reading this this week, studying this, it gave me this picture that, Gosh, do we get it? Do we get how great our God is? How magnificent he is? How powerful he is? And all the things that we face, and all the things that even I personally have faced these past weeks, when I see this picture of Jesus, helps me to breathe, to rest, have such comfort knowing who he is, what he does in my life. I'm, I'm so confident in his wisdom, his grace, his love, his power. It truly, it gives me hope. Whatever comes at us, whatever we face, that we can stand firm in him. I, I hope and I pray that you have found that hope too, that, that you can rest in that same thing that I have found. Otherwise, honestly, I say this all the time, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how you get through life without Jesus. Because when things come up and things hit you from the left and the right and things are falling apart, I don't have answers for you. People say, tell me, how do I get through this? What am I supposed to do? I have no answers other than this one. Jesus, without him, I'm not sure. We need him, and I am so grateful we have him. And I'm a little bit shook even by the responsibility that we have to share who he is with everyone around us. That we would be that bright light reflecting even just a small little piece of his character to those we come in contact with. 
May their lives be changed and affected the same way ours is. It's on us. And I'm so overwhelmed with that. But I do know this. I'm grateful we get to do this together. I'm thankful to be a part of this church and a part of this family with you as we navigate this stuff and as we attempt to, to, to accomplish this mission together. I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. I, I think this week, with many of you I've talked to, I'm, I'm proud of you. Keep it up. Keep doing it. Because you're doing a great job. Let's, um, let's stand together as we close with this benediction that we want to close with every week. Let's read this together. Here we go. You ready? Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in these amazing ways. Help us, Lord, as we reflect you to people that we come in contact with as well. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.